You're listening to How Real Estate Works, your one-stop shop for all things real estate. Whether you're looking to learn about real estate investing, buying your first house, growing as a real estate agent, and all things financial freedom related, we got you covered. With co-hosts Jesse Johnson and Matt Talent. Welcome to the How Real Estate Works Podcast, episode 28. I'm your host, Matt Talent, and my co-host is Jesse Johnston. So today we're having Michael Zuber on. Michael is the author of the book, One Rental at a Time. The book follows him and his wife's journey, um, starting out as full-time employees all the way to financial freedom and growing their portfolio eventually to 175 properties. So Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, welcome. Yeah. Excited to hear all the knowledge. Yeah, super excited to have you on. Um, I love the book. And um, I just want to know, like, so when you were getting started out, why why was getting to financial freedom important to you? Well, I, I wish I could tell you that was the goal in the beginning. Uh, when I started this journey of one rental at a time or getting that first or second rental property, financial freedom was it wasn't on the radar guys. It it just wasn't. I just knew as a 30 year old man with a daughter with hopes of sending her to college, working in a remarkably stressful field that had a really short lifespan because it was so stressful. I didn't think I could do it forever. You know, I figured I might have 15 years, maybe 20 years if the stars align, but it's, it's a tough career, software, enterprise software sales. So I just knew I wanted a better future. So that's what it was. It wasn't financial freedom. I was fully prepared to work until I was 65. uh, But knowing that somewhere in there, there would have been a career transition. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I had no, no visions. I just knew, I just knew if I could get to four, that I would fundamentally be different than anybody else in my family as we were, you know, very working class, very kind of paycheck to paycheck, you know, go to school, get a good job, you know, buy nice things was kind of how I was raised. So that was my mindset in the beginning. Uh, I just got washed out of the stock market, right? It was the dot-com craze. You know, it was amazing when you turned seven grand to 197 grand in like 18 months or 20. Wow. It's, it's, I guess, equally entertaining if you're a, a masochist to turn 197 into 40 in the span of six weeks, which happened to me. Um, so I was, I was beaten, man. I, I was 30 years old. I went from feeling smarter than Warren Buffett to feeling like an idiot. And um, I just had to do something to, to, to make my daughter's future better. That's, that's what it was. Isn't it amazing how the uh, you know, stock market and things like that will humble you over time? It's, it's... Well, that and it's amazing to me how cyclical it is. Because I guarantee you the names have changed today. But uh, I can tell you what's going to happen in somewhere between six and 12 months. There's going to be plenty of people humbled. They're overly leveraged. They're, they're, they're. You know, this was my story. I started out as a diligent investor and I won. It was kind of like, kind of like running into a casino and winning the first five hands. Then I got a little less diligent. I went from being an investor to a speculator. But when all ships rise, they rise. And then you go from being a speculator to a gambler and you might win for a little bit. But by that point, you're so highly leveraged, the losses pile up they become huge. 
And, you know, I was, I was thankful to salvage 40 grand. Cause it, if I would have waited about 36 or 48 more hours, it would have all been gone. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I love um, when you were like getting started in the book, you talk about the importance of planning, like what your financial freedom journey is going to look like with your spouse. And I think it's important just with like, if you have a spouse, that's important, um, but also just planning in general. So can you talk about like kind of what that conversation with planning and everything with your spouse looked like? Yeah, I think there's two aspects of it equally important that you can't be missed. They work hand in hand. You could do them in whatever order you would like, but I think two things are important. First and foremost, for us, we had day jobs, both of us. And I, we both worked equally hard. Mine just happened to put me on an airplane three times a week. So that's why, you know, she worked nine to six, took care of our daughter. I was all over the place home on Saturdays. So, you know, in that aspect, we had to get on the same page, right? We, we got into this after both being humbled in the stock market. And we both planned. We didn't have, again, financial freedom in mind, but we were like, hey, we're going to get into this. We're going to hold these assets forever. That was the plan, right? We were planning decades in advance. So anytime we were making acquisitions, doing our homework, that was our plan, right? We buy Norris Drive, the first house that's in the book. Our intention was to hold it forever. It obviously didn't work out that way as you've read in the book, but that was our intention. And then the other one that's equally important that a lot of people miss is we had to get our money right, right? A lot of people like to talk about just go make a lot of money, you know, which is okay if you have one of those jobs or commission or something, but most of us have leaky boats at home. Most of us have spending problems. Most of us have money going to the wrong things. So the greatest untalked about unrecognized success that Olivia and I had is we went from spending 100% of our income to spending 50%. We got really good at only taking care of our needs and we just let our wants go for 10, 12, 15 years. You know, you got to do something different than everybody else if you want to have what they don't have. So, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to say that now, but I can tell you, it didn't feel great when your friends are driving nice cars and they're doing open houses for their nas- you know, their third nice new house. You kind of feel like an idiot. Uh, but you know, I, I like the position we're in now. But yeah, I got to tell you, it didn't feel great those that first ten or twelve years. Sounds like I need to read your book. That's <laughs> <laughs> sounds like everybody <laughs> read the book. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, that is that's essentially where I am in my. Uh, my, my journey right now is reestablishing my, my new cost basis um, of how I live. So it, it's, it's great to hear that. Um, so so um, Matt mentioned that you got started in 2003. So clearly you not only lived through the tech bubble, but you also watched the, uh, real, the Great Recession happen. Um, and there is some conversation right now that you know, this time is like that time. Um, do you have any insight on how you feel this time, maybe like that time or maybe not? Well, the only thing similar 2021, March, 2021 with call it 06, 07, 08, whatever year you want to pick is prices. Prices, you can go ahead and point at the chart. They're roughly the same. Some cities more, some cities less, but let's just between us, just call it the same. And that's what a lot of idiots on YouTube and bigger pockets are talking about, right? They're pointing at the chart saying, see, it's just like last time. Having invested through it, having profited from it wildly, I can tell you this setup is remarkably different in lots of very, very important ways. First and foremost, again, having bought and sold in that environment, interest rates are more markedly different. Even today, after rates are up a half to a full point, they're still roughly half of what they were last time. 
And what these idiots on YouTube and bigger pockets need to remember is people don't buy on price, they buy on payment. So yes, the house may be 300 grand like it was in 06, but the payment is 30% less. So it's all about payment, not price. I wish more people would realize that. Second. Well, yeah. yeah so I, I'm second. noticing in our local market. So we were just looking, you know, Matt and I have actually had this exact conversation on a regular basis is how is today, you know, I, I remember being a real estate agent in um, February of 2008, there were 200 sales in, in the county that we, that we live in. In February 2021, there were 600 sales and the average sales price is 30 per 30, 35% higher than it was then. So for a real estate agent who's out selling, the opportunity is exponentially larger than it was back in 2008. So, uh, but yes, tell me number two. So number two, uh, let's go to the debt structure, right? Having invested through last time, one of the things that was very common last time, it was countrywide IndyMac. These are banks that no longer exist because they were producing toxic waste. They were doing two and 28s. They were doing teaser loans. They were doing ninja loans, no income, no job, no assets. Uh, the debt structure that was tied to real estate was fundamentally flawed and toxic. And once that started cascading and the resets happened, you know, uh, strategic default became a thing. Nine, I just talked to a mortgage broker, one of my experts I talked to weekly this week, and about 98.5% of all mortgages are fixed rate, either 30 or 15 years. Guess what happens in, you know, let's assume you have a $300,000 mortgage on a $400,000 house. Let's assume that $400,000 house falls by 50%. So it goes to 200 grand. Does the bank come knocking on your door if you have a 30-year or 15-year fixed rate mortgage? Absolutely not. No, they, they don't want the debt. They don't well, want the they house. They don't want that. And there's no yeah. legal way they can do it because there's no, do, there's no clause that says based on value, they can call the loan. That's very different than multifamily. Multifamily is going to have loan covenants. They're going to have reset periods. They, they have to reset the debt. That's why multifamily could be in trouble. But residential, there is no such thing. They don't want it. They can't take it. It's just, it's, it's a fundamentally different loan structure than last time. And then the last thing that's different this time is incomes are up from 15 years ago. You know, I don't know about your market, but the market I am, roughly speaking, income was averaging about 45 grand last time. Now they're 55 grand. Again, it may not sound like a lot, but that's 20% higher in an interest rate environment that's half, you know, half, uh, half as much as last time. You put that combination together, stuff today is far more affordable. And that's all that matters is the affordability index as I talk about in the book. So what's the opportunity right now? I believe in my market, I only can speak to my market, which is Fresno, California, single sure. family homes. I believe single family homes are where it's at. You can still get cheap 30 year debt. It is remarkably difficult, hard, competitive, but I wouldn't touch multifamily today. I own multifamily and I can tell you right now, rents are up in single family homes. They are flat or down in multifamily. I can tell you right now that debt collection is harder in apartments than single family homes. I can tell you my homes rent in less than a day and apartments average three to three and a half weeks. It is a fundamentally different game. These people preaching bigger is better are either A, lying, B, don't own any, or C, just stupid. And you know, I'll let them pick which one they want to be. Uh, it's interesting you say that because uh, Matt's in the single family game. So once again, Matt, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't always right. Again, the beauty of being yeah, yeah. 20 years, single family homes has their days in the sun. Multifamily, value add multifamily was the single biggest wealth creation from 2013 to about late 2018. 
If you bought it, you won. You didn't even have to be good at it. You would have won. But dude, buying that stuff in late 19, buying that stuff in 2021, when you have three, five, seven year interest only debt resets, oh, it's going to be painful. Rents are going to be down, collections, vacancies, cap rates up, value. Oh man, can you imagine the resets that are going to happen when values go from a, a five cap to a seven cap? Oh, it's going to be the equity you're going to have to raise. Oh, it's going to be ugly, bloodbath. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I always want to get into multifamily, but I did like I bird dog for a guy, like a syndicator. And basically, I was just getting laughed off the phone by brokers like, yeah, I'm looking for value add multifamily. And they're like, cool, everyone else is too. Um, and so like, I'd like to get there eventually. But right now, like single family is very attainable for me. So it's just I can always pivot later when it becomes more attainable. But right now, single families what is working in my market for me, at least. So why did you name the book one rental at a time? What was why was that important to you? Because that's what I wanted the average investor to think. We all know the bigger pockets in YouTube and real estate investing. There's just this natural thing to want thousands of units or hundreds of units. You got to be the next Grant Cardone and be a billionaire and all that freaking nonsense on social media. I believe when you talk that big, you get excitement, you get interest, but you also get lack of action. I fundamentally believe if you can just get one, you can get four. And I fundamentally believe, as we talk about in the book, if you can get to four, you can fundamentally change your financial future. And if you only ever get to four, I want to shake your hand, give you a pat on the back and say, nice job. You don't need 10. You don't need 100. You don't need 1,000. Four changes your life. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, for, for me, me, like my goal is just to get to 13 because there's... There are a lot of people who are like, I want 50 units, I want 100 units, but I like wrote out my plan. I was like, okay, like I could do 13 single family homes and that would be enough for me to like retire, which is just not even retire, but have the option to work because um, I love my job and I want to keep doing it. But yeah, there's a lot of new investors I talk to and not that I've been in it for a while, but they're like, well, should I buy another rental? Is now a good time? I'm like, well, it depends what your goal is. Um, you know, it all depends what your goal is. And a lot of people are like, I want to get to 50 units. And it's like, well, why do you want to do that? It seems like a lot of headaches. Um, you're going to be like missing out on family time because you want to hit a number that you can put on social media. And it's like, what is, what's the point? Like, who cares? <laughs> In the book, um, you talk about putting down like up to 30% down for some properties, which seems to go against like the online Instagram thing of, oh, you should buy low and no money down. You should put as little as possible down. So why do you recommend putting down 30%? Um, and how like did you continue to put, like purchase um, when you're putting down like those large down payments? Yeah, so there's a couple of things, right? The, the beauty of doing this for 20 years and, and thriving and surviving through the Great Recession is I saw lots of people implode. I, you know, I, saw, I saw a couple of people that were significantly larger than us at the time. Um, you know, one of them having an eight-figure net worth, not seven, eight figures. And when you start daisy chaining debt together and the dominoes fall, it's hard to get out of the way. And, you know, it just, it just takes you out. So again, as I shared with you very early on, my plan was to be in this and hold the asset forever. So I believe in being conservative. I believe in running the numbers. And just so we're clear, my first six or seven purchases, only one of them, I put down 20%. All the others were 10% down. 
So again, realize that I'm telling you what I'm doing now, not what I did the first few times. So of the first six deals, five were 10% down, one was 20. And again, in the beginning for me, as I talk about phases of our journey, phase one is where you build the foundation. So be conservative, run your numbers. If you have to over leverage, go for it, but never do an alligator. And we talk about that in the book, never go negative cash flow, but realize you're having a plan. And what really bothers me is when these people talk high leverage and quit your day job. I mean, that's a, that's a financial catastrophe waiting to happen for most people. Because what does a W-2 job gives you? A, it gives you the ability to borrow from a bank, right? Banks like jobs. But more importantly, it also gives you that reserve capital or that ability to limp through when a job takes a little bit longer or when a buyer backs out or whatever it is, right? I don't like putting your family's financial future at risk. I lived in an environment when I was growing up where money was not around too often. And these people preaching, quit your job, jump into this whole time, whole, you know, do bandit signs and cold call and texting. It's, so it's, it it's sounds like you put ego to the side and oh. you've become successful. I don't know what ego to the side means, but um, well, I don't know what that I, means. I mean, basically you're not leading with your ego. You're leading oh, with, with found uh, sound fundamentals and not, not necessarily with ego. I mean, that, that's kind of one of the things uh, for a person like me, who's looking at this uh, investing world from the outside looking in. Uh, I, by the way, full disclosure, I have my first uh, investment deal currently being renovated right now. Oh, so nice. the, yeah, so um, so I do own a, a little bit of a syndication here, or there, whatever, right? But that's not, you know, my first deal is being done right now. So for me, looking from the outside, looking in, and being in the real estate world for over twenty years and not buying investment, I saw my friends lose big two thousand eight, right? Like, dude, you need to get in Florida. We're all making bank, right? Like, if someone says we're making bank, I usually walk away, right? Um, right, and so then I I also see. You know, I have a friend, we actually, Matt and I had a call this morning with a friend of mine who said, most of my flips I lost money on. And he mm -hmm. only did them because I thought that's what I should have been doing. And so he's like, now I buy and hold single family property and maybe some small multis. Uh, but really my question is actually a personal one. So um, I'm in a position where I, my next purchase would be a primary residence. And I'm also thinking of, you know, there's a lot of talk out in the world about house hacking. Mm -hmm. um, so Someone like me, I'm, I'm uh, over 40. I have two girls and I'm a single dad and, and you know, thinking about doing a house hack as my next primary residence. I mean, what, what's your opinion on something like that? Yeah, first off, you know, there's so many things available today. Again, I, go, I don't know if we talked about this earlier, but we'll do it one more time. I think the key to being successful in real estate is having a 10-year plan. I think house hacking is amazing if it fits your lifestyle, yeah. right? If you're coming out of high school or in college or coming out and you're single, house hack to the heart's content. If you're young and married, maybe it's house hack a duplex or a fourplex. Um, if you're married and have kids, maybe it's, you, you, you really have a choice if you're married with kids or single with kids like yourself. You have a choice. You know, do we house hack a two family, right? There's a house in the front, house in the back. Awesome, right? Cover 60% yeah. of your mortgage. Awesome. Um, you know, I, in that situation, I like, I like it when there's separation. I don't like units sort of tied together, personal right. preference, whatever. But yeah. yeah. It's interesting. There, there's a place I live in uh, Westchester, Pennsylvania, and there's a, it's a college town and a place just came on the market. It's, you know, it's a four unit, decent price, but it's right next to like one of the hottest places where kids hang out. And I'm like, there's just no way I could ever live in that property. <laughs> so no, yeah, I wouldn't want my daughters like, anywhere near that. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are other more important priorities. 
Uh, but the other thing you need to think about in your situation, not sure if this applies, but maybe it applies to some of the viewers. The other thing you could do is you could go onto a, a two-year plan where, you know what, we're going to buy a fixer-upper. It's livable today. But how old are your daughters? Sorry. I have a 12-year-old and a nine-year-old. Okay. So they could quasi help, right? They could, they could help paint their bedrooms or whatever it is. <laughs> but the other thing you could do is you could take advantage of the loophole and the taxes where you live in your primary resident for two years and sell, yeah. i.e. move every two years and make tax IRS tax-free gains. Yeah. Right. So maybe you go buy a fixer upper. It's a little bit older. It's got old carpets, old kitchen, old bathrooms, and you, and you remodel it slowly over the next two years with the intention of making 40 or 50 grand value add kind of sweat equity. Right. And then that that's all IRS free money. Uh, I think that's such an underutilized thing. And again, this is subject to tax changes, but it's available today. I wish more people early in life would take advantage of that. Every, I wish people would say, honey, we're going to do this five times in the next 10 years. So every two years, we're going to move hundred K or 50 K or yeah. you, know, you can make up to 500 grand as a couple tax-free every two years. It's amazing if you're in the right markets. I got a smart young man sitting across the table from me that that is exactly what, what he's done. done. Yeah. I, yeah, we've kind of fixed up like two properties, but I'm just holding them as rentals because like, obviously, I don't know, it just aligns with my goal. But yeah, I think that's huge. Like you could just work nights and weekends and there's a lot of people out there doing it. Um, and you can make a hundred grand like a year in our market because properties are appreciating and just like a lot of markets, but also um, you can buy a fixer upper for 250 and then sell for 350 if you fix it up for a year. So yeah, the potential is definitely there. Yeah. And again, remember what we're talking about. People don't realize that real estate, real estate investing offers you a lot of things, even owner occupied. So let's just talk about the 250 house, right? I mean, assuming it's livable, it passes financing and all of that stuff. You get in for three and a half percent down. What's that like 10 grand? Yeah. You spend the next two years with your daughters because they'll be they'll go from nine and 11. And I think you said till 11 and 13. They will have learned the value of money. They will learn the value of sweat equity. They'll probably contribute in some small way, but they'll remember it forever. And then for freaking show them the tax or the closing statement, and say daddy made 80 grand. And oh, by the way, the IRS got nothing. That's kind of cool, honey. You want to do that again? I mean, I wish more people would do stuff like that. I, I really love those conversations because that, that we, uh, we, we play cash flow because um, I'm, I'm trying to learn myself. I mean, honestly, like this, every, anyone who listens to the show knows that the story is don't do, do what Matt did. Don't do what Jesse did. Put, <laughs> make, make sure your deals have hair. That's, <laughs> but no, the reality, and, and I, I certainly don't want that to be my story or my kid's story going forward, right? So uh, I take all, I, I take all ego and put it aside to use that again. Mm -hmm. And I, I say, okay, well, you know, uh, what am I learning right now? And what I'm learning is there's so many different ways to do it. And there's not like, you know, there's Mike's way, there's Michael's way, there's, you know, the, these people's way, you could house hack, you can buy vacation rentals, you could, you know, like whatever, there's so many different ways to do it. And uh it's about having a plan. So I like the 10-year the plan. I like that a lot. Yeah, there's two things you have to do, in my opinion. One is talk in 10 years, not get rich quick, get off the social media hype. It's just, it's just toxic. It doesn't really help you. And the other one is get focused, right? So you have a 10-year plan, but what's your plan? Is it like, Matt, we're going to get to 13? Is it like some of the people I talk to? It's like, hey, I want to get my forever house eventually, but we're going to build to that. I mean, there's just, what, what is the plan? And then go get laser focused. And, you know, spend 10, you know, 10, 20 minutes a day, just getting a little bit better every day. It's, it's really not that hard. It's just people don't want to, people don't want to work 
for it. They don't want to be consistent. They don't want to sacrifice. But I, I, you know, 15 year journey to buy 20 years of freedom, you know, I'll take that every time. Yeah, no, I love it. And I love the, I just reread the book, like Vivid Vision and planning like your three year goal out. And it's like, man, you can really create just like you did, like the life that you want. If you just read this book, write it out and like read your, read your goals daily and take like one step a day to enact it. And it's like, man, it's, it's not easy, but it's pop. It's so possible. Like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And um, one thing I also loved in your book, like you were talking about reserves. Um, I kind of want to know how you do it because there's so many different opinions. So do you allocate like a portion of your cash flow monthly, or do you just set aside like, all right, when I buy this single family home, I put 5k aside, 10k mm-hmm. aside. Yeah. So in the beginning, right, kind of two answers, right? In the beginning, as I was set buying houses, I was setting aside 5K per house, mm-hmm. right? What I found as I got to a certain quantity and the balance kept growing, I just, I didn't raise it anymore because, you know, you get to split risk and all of that. Uh, so once you get to a certain point of size, you don't have to allocate that anymore. But for me, an emergency fund is that it is a separate account. It is not electronically connected to any other bank that I have because I don't want to go, well, I just found this deal and the only place I got money is over there, right? That's, mm. that's, I really treat it as a true, oh my God, a, a branch just, you know, fell through my roof and I've got to, you know, put the tenants in a hotel and I got to pay a roofer and blah, 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 right? So it's, it is truly an emergency fund. So I, I don't, I don't say that word loosely. It's, it's truly emergency. Yeah. No, I love that. And when, like, what was it like when you eventually reached financial freedom? I remember you talking about it in the book. Um, but how long did it take you to get adjusted to that to that lifestyle? Like, leaving your W two job and being comfortable in that free lifestyle. Man, I, I that is I, I've never been asked that question. That's a good one. So you, you so I had so here's the story, right? I was 45 at the time. I had planned to work out until I was 50. I'd been very cute with very clear with my management and teams that that was my goal. I could already retire at this time, probably a couple of years, but I was in sales and in sales, you get your quota territory commission quota changes every year. Uh, I came into the new year telling basically management, I didn't want this, this, and this, and they didn't listen. They basically gave me this, this, and this. I remember sitting in front of them going, you know, having a very terse and intense conversation basically saying you didn't listen. I don't like him. He doesn't like me. It was very mutual hatred. And um, I'm like, well, I'm done. Give me a package. So I'm, so I say nice things and I'm out. And I texted my wife, literally walking back from the conference room to my desk saying, honey, I'm coming home. I just quit. And um, so I came home smiling. I was so happy, right? Just so happy. (laughs) I was so happy for two days. My face hurt, if that makes any sense. But then the world started closing in. It's Tuesday now and nobody's around. And now it's Wednesday and you're still up for hours and you don't have anything to do. You're a type A person who's used to being goal driven and you don't have any goals and you can only go to the gym so often because you're old and your body breaks down and you don't like golf anymore because whatever. And I basically started feeling like a failure, right? So here I am 45, don't have to work, don't have any wants or needs I can't have met. And I'm feeling like a failure. It was very odd, right? Because I'm a glass half full, generally positive person. And I start circling this drain of depression for the first time. I'm like, holy shit. Like the world's imploding. I'm feeling like a failure by 11 o'clock every day. And um, 
I, uh, I start talking to people, just other companies, because I was really good at what I did. And uh, I remember three or four companies are like, you can have any position you want, come back, we'll hire you part-time, full-time, whatever you want, you name it, you're here. So I came home and I said, I told Olivia, I want to take the weekend and I'll pick one on Monday. So Saturday goes by, I'm still perplexed, right? I feel like a failure, which is just so odd to say. Yeah. And then Sunday, I realized, you know what? Let's, let's finish this year out. Let's try to do something else that you've never done. Because going back, going back to work, I would have felt like a failure. Because yeah, I could have made six figures or whatever it was. And I could have had a job and I could have contributed and I could have kept my one, you know, a million mile flyer and all this bullshit nonsense. But it would have been horrible. I would have felt like a failure. So that's where One Rental at a Time was born. I never thought I would write a book, but I remember reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad going, hey, that book doesn't tell you how. I remember that right behind this sign, there's literally a bookshelf with probably 500 books on it. Never one was written by a full-time employee who made it. So I said, why don't you take the time to write the book? So it took me months to write it. Ultimately, the book became something that was published on Amazon, now Audible. And then the YouTube sprang out. And you know now I create three or four videos a day. I interview multimillionaires five days a week. I'm having a good time giving back. So uh, basically what I've done is I've turned my mornings from 6 a.m. to about 9 to giving back. From about 9 to 11, it's exercise. It's you know whatever I want to do. And then from noon till when I go to bed is just Olivia and I. So that little 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. is enough for me to feel like I'm adding value. And life's great, man. Now I feel like a success. I have this score called the positive impact score that counts how many times students do a deal. I think the last four weeks, we've averaged four and a half deals a week. And these aren't my deals. These are students that follow me around the world telling me that, hey, I closed another one. I'm like, yay. I get more excited about them doing a deal because for me, a deal is like buying shoes. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love, I love that story because I think there's things that we do as like stalling tactics where, okay, like I have these four other job offers. I could just take one of those and I'll be, I won't have to think about what I'll have to do when, once I get to financial freedom. And when like I was in my W2 job, I was miserable. And I was like, oh, well, you know, if I go back to school for two years, I'll just be parked in school for two years. I won't have to think about how to get out of this. And then I can get like a five grand raise once I put myself 40,000 more in debt. And I was like, I start to recognize that people do this, like these stalling tactics where we park ourselves. And it was really hard for me to eventually quit my job, which like Jesse helped me out with. But, um, but I had the same thing. Like I quit my job and I wasn't super busy. I was just sitting at my desk and I was like, oh my God, what do I do? But eventually like things fell into place. I'm busy and now I'm like, same thing, like very happy with my job. I get to go out and meet people all the time, but you have to like recognize when you're, you have those stalling tactics that you can be like, oh, I can just, this is the easy route and it'll make me comfortable, but I won't be happy. I'll be in the same place. So I love, I love hearing that. Nice job. Nice job, Jesse. Helped him out. Yeah. He's the man. He's the mentor. <laughs> you know, it's uh, well, I'll take that. Um, but yeah, the interesting thing is, um, you know, I, I, I like to live life and it sounds like you're doing a great job at that, Michael. So <laughs> I'm now that, yeah. that first four or five weeks was kind of scary. <laughs> what's the one thing that you do now that like, is like, what's the one thing that you look forward to doing now in your daily, daily life? Like 
the number one. I do a daily financial news show because Gary V challenged me. He didn't challenge me specifically, but he did an interview with a guy named Nipsey Hussle, who unfortunately passed away, I think last year. And he basically challenged Nipsey Hussle to do a song every day. He says, okay, Nipsey, basically, you think you're so good, you know, drop a hook every day. And I remember I was driving back from Fresno looking at another deal. And I'm like, you know what? I, I got this YouTube thing. I'm doing one every three or four days. Get off your ass. Let's do a daily show. So I started doing a daily financial show seven days a week, every holiday, every, every day at 7.30 a.m. live. I don't yeah. edit my videos. I do them live. That's nice. a fun, that is, that's so much fun for me. I look forward to that show every day. And that, that's on the YouTubes, right? It is. I, I heard you call it the YouTubes earlier. That made me laugh inside. <laughs> well, when the YouTubes came out, uh, so yeah, but so, so you, you, now you're, you're, you're mentoring or, and you, uh, new, new investors and things like that. So what, what's the first step? Is it set a goal or is it jump in and get started? What, how do you do it? Now it depends on, it depends if you have capital or not, right? Again, my journey started with 40 grand. So I had enough to buy two or three deals. So if that's where you are, if you have enough capital for a down payment, it's focus, it's learn a market. I believe everybody needs to answer the question, what's an average deal in my market? And until you know what average is, you're not allowed to buy a deal because otherwise you're gambling. How yeah, do you sure determine you, the average deal? Just, you know, you, you treat look, me like I don't at, know anything. Yeah. So the answer is you need to focus. So for okay. me, that meant pick a zip code in my market. That meant pick an asset type that meant pick a size. I use the same search, thinkrealtor.com every day for three years. Three bedroom or four bedroom, two bath house, two car garage, single story between 12 and 1500 square feet. At the time that allowed me to produce somewhere between 20 and 30 active listings. I looked at that one search every day for three years. By about day 90 or day 100, I knew that market, that, that little criteria better than anybody else. So when a good deal came out, I would pounce. Got it. So uh, how, how many- Focus and consistency, sorry. How many homes are showing up in that search today if you, if you well, had to do it? I haven't done that search today, but I'm going to guess it's a lot less. Okay, uh, yeah. It's probably five or six, probably. Yeah. So uh, Matt and I are big fans of books and uh, we'd love to know what book you're reading right now. Oh, what book am I reading right now? It's, I just read. Uh, I just read "Be Obsessed or Be Average." And then like I'm that. Reading, yeah, "Be Obsessed or Be Average." And Shout out, then, "Be Obsessed, be obsessed <laughs> or Be Average." Uh, John uh, John Maxwell book is I'm reading right now. Awesome. Nice. So we like to ask um, our guest one question. So when you were getting started, what was your biggest limiting belief, um, and how did you overcome it? Uh, my biggest limiting belief is I, I didn't think I could, I could really do financial freedom as we kind of shared earlier up. I didn't have that grand vision. For me, my vision was just one more deal. It was never more than one more deal. I had three, I wanted four. I had four, I wanted five. I was never, ever thinking long-term. I never looked up. Um, this, dude, I was working so hard. <laughs> I had so mm. little time. I never had any big grand plan. I don't know if anything would have changed greatly, but I do think now looking back, I should have had a better vision. Um, dude, I was only looking at the next deal. It was, yeah. It's funny to look back on. Yeah. And you didn't just do financial freedom. You like knocked it out of the park. Yeah. 175 we're doing okay. units. Yeah. It's 182 now, I think. Wow. 183, something like that. We're still growing. We're, we're still doing deals. That's what people don't realize. Uh, I'm, I still do you know, sometimes three deals a year, sometimes 10. It just depends. I, I look every, I still look every single day. I love it. Yeah. It's like addicting. Um, and 
I guess with where you're headed, what do you think about, everyone says different things, but like paying down your mortgages and then buying, or should you just keep leveraging the leverage? And Well, again, I think I tried to cover that in the book with the phases. Uh, I am not a Dave Ramsey fan where you go, hey, buy one, pay it off, then buy the second one. Because the way it works, by the time you pay off one appreciation, all that stuff, it's just it just runs away from you. Maybe you end up with two or three and that's all you got. But I do think it comes in phases. Phase one is about being conservative and getting as many ships as you can. So as inflation takes over, all ships rise. Uh, As you get to the point, you talked about 13. 13 obviously means some kind of income number. For me, you know, you know, if I don't know what that 13 translates to, call it three grand a month. I would probably shoot for more like 16 or 17 Mm -hmm. because then as the ships rise, what you'll have is options. And what we did, we didn't pay anything off. And until we left our W-2s. And then we started moving debt around. Why? Because I lived through the Great Recession, right? I wanted to have a couple of assets owned free and clear. And then I wanted other ones highly leveraged, right? So if the world comes to an end and I have to lose something, you can go take those ones, Mr. and Mrs. Bank. I'm going to keep these ones over here. So uh, I would never believe in paying anything off if you're in the accumulation phase. But as you transition from accumulation to wealth preservation, you know, kind of that next set. I think having a few paid off is not a bad idea. It adds, it removes stress big time. Yeah. So we, uh, we'd like to ask everyone or give you the opportunity to ask us one question mm-hmm. and you're going to get two opinions on this or two, yeah, two answers, one with air, one without. And uh, so what would you love to ask us? I want to know what Jesse and Matt's goals are for the end of 2021. What are you hoping to accomplish in the next roughly eight months? Okay, so um, for me, it's really getting my real estate sales business to um, like somewhere in the realm of like 10 to 14 million um, because a lot for a long time, like I was fishing around with all these strategies of like, oh, well, I can do this to save, put low money down and everything. And I was like, if I just raise my income, that makes everything else easier. (laughs) Um, So that's what I've really been focusing on is doing that. Um, And then buying one to two rentals this year um, is like a big part of my plan, but also just incorporating lifestyle stuff um, because I'm I'm the type of person who I'll just put my head down and work and then look up in 10 years. I'll be like, oh my God, I missed a bunch of stuff. So I'm really trying to incorporate things like just like a date night with my fiance, family dinner with my my parents every Sunday. So trying to reshift my focus onto friends and family and everything. All right, Jesse, that's going to be hard to beat, man. Yeah, Matt has, uh, he's magical, man. He's, uh, he's got it. He knows, he knows the right things to say and he actually does it. That's the crazy (laughs) part. Um, So for me, I'm in a, uh, I would say, um, the the term for this year that I'm like or the my focus word for the year is energy right so okay. so I I'm focusing on putting my energy where where I need to put it and not be distracted by other things but my real estate goal is to purchase another property this year um, the goal was two three to four family properties one for each of my daughters um, nice. because I feel like that is the that's the college plan. That's the marriage. That's the wedding plan, right? Love it. Um, put that in place. Also have that as a fallback position in case it does hit the fan and I'm not in a position to be safe. I could fall back, right? So that, so, so one this year and one next year is the goal. 
but energy, my, my focus is on my energy. So that's physical, mental, emotional, and directed in the right direction. Um, and then I, like Matt, I, I'm really good at doing family time, kid time and things like that. Um, I need to shift a little bit more energy into focus, right? So focus, okay. would, I would use that term also where I'm focusing on, on getting to the next step, right? Not just enjoying life. I love living life, but also enjoying life and getting to the next step. So, so those, that's a big answer to your question, but the short answer is one multifamily or my next primary residence, which well, I love the, the fact. Yeah. I love the fact that both of you answered it kind of your whole life. And that, I wish more people would do that. There's too many if, things. If you're in this room, you have to answer with your whole life. It's as simple as that. It's like a, it's a blood pack between brothers. I love we it. we oh. put our whole life into it. <laughs> oh, that's, that, that's important. I wish more people would do that. Too many people in this game on social media, just, I mean, earlier, right. That's a hundred units is a thousand units and they just keep their head down. Like Matt said. And then they, it's like, why are you doing this? I, I, I keep telling all these big people out there, you know, that they, you know, they just had a great year with anything they would think is a great year. You or I would think it's a great year. And they're like, I want to be bigger this year. I'm like, what the, why? Mm -hmm. You keep telling me you're doing this for your family, but damn, when are you going to freaking see them? I mean, sure. You got some coin in the bank, but who cares? Yeah. Ah, drives me crazy. Yeah. No, it becomes dangerous where you chase one summit and then you get there and you're not happy and you keep playing the game. And it's like, man, you're missing a lot of like family and friend time and everything. So um, yeah, it's important not to do that. Nice job. Yeah. Um, but obviously go read Michael's book. It was great. I loved it. But where else can people find out about you and what you're doing? Everything I do is one rental at a time. Best way to find me is one rental at a time on YouTube. I post three to four original pieces of content seven days a week. Uh, I have, a, I think it's over two, it's over 26 months now of daily content. So uh, nice. beware there's lots there i have an instagram page uh amazon audible everything's one rental at a time so shouldn't be hard to find awesome all right well i learned a ton today um thanks for coming on the show we, we, we really appreciate it It was awesome anytime all right all right sounds good we'll have to get together again sometime all right. thank you michael thank you appreciate it Take care. Right, everyone thanks for listening you can join us weekly on spotify apple podcast and youtube Please subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps us out. You can find out more about me at callphillyhome.com, callphillyhome at Instagram, or email me at matt.talent at compass.com. And you can find out more about my co-host Jesse Johnson at howrealestate.com, Jesse Johnson on Instagram, and email him at jesse.johnson at compass.com.